Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Well, I want to begin in this hour, though, with a very interesting new study from the Rand Corporation uh, that puts a price tag on shifting start times at schools. Now, not a price tag of what it would cost to shift start times, but in fact, what it could contribute to the economy. Because there's a lot we know about the impact of not getting enough sleep, and in particular when it comes to uh, teens and sleep deprivation. It's been linked to poor health, bad economic, uh, academic performance, criminal activity, all sorts of things. So this report argues that by starting school no earlier than 8.30 a.m., the United States... And presumably this could be extrapolated in a Canadian context, but the United States would realize roughly $9 billion a year in economic gains. So what's the connection there? Joining us uh, to talk more about this research, very pleased to welcome to the program, Marco Hafner, a senior economist uh, with the Rand Corporation, Rand Europe. Marco, thanks so much for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm happy to join. Now, people can read more at rand.org. We'll let folks know that. But talk a bit about, then, the the connection here. What is the connection between teenagers and sleep and the impact on the economy? Yeah, basically, um, a large majority of teenagers are not sleeping enough. So they they, they get less than the 8 to 10 hours per night that is recommended by major medical associations. And there are many reasons for that. Could be, you know, technology use in the bedroom, uh, basically social lives, but one factor is actually, um, you know, a matter of public policy, and that's the early school start times. So the issue behind is that once um, teenagers and the pu- and, and the puberty, um, there's a change in the circadian rhythm uh, and basically delays the time where they get, get tired. So for teenagers, it's very difficult to uh, get tired before 11 p.m., so it's difficult for them to fall asleep before that time. And it's also for them very difficult to wake up before 8 a.m. just because of, of biology. So if you have very early school start times, that means that teenagers have to get up very early in the morning and subsequently don't get the, the right amount of sleep. Well, talk a bit about what we know about teenagers and their, their sleep habits and sleep patterns, because I think people would say, well, look, if school starts early, you go to bed early. Um, but but we're, we're dealing with biology here to some extent, aren't we? Yes, I mean, as I said, there are all the factors like, you know, if you, if you use extensively uh, technology in bedroom, you know, iPhones and PlayStations, that all plays a role. But just by biology, it's very difficult for them to fall asleep before 11 p.m. So even if you tell a teenager you should go to sleep at, at 9 p.m., it's just very difficult for them to fall asleep. And, you know, staying in bed and not sleeping is not really the right thing to do, So you, which subsequently you really need to sleep to, to get the benefits of, of a good night's sleep, which results in better health, uh, better physical, mental health, but also better academic performance and, and being less tired in the morning. So how do you go about measuring this? Tell us a bit about, because this is a pretty exhaustive study. What, what did you look at then? Um, I mean, it's, it, we run specific um, economic models, which basically, in a nutshell, 
you forecast how an economy, for instance, every single state in the United States that we look at, how the economy would evolve in the future with current um, um, schools start times. And then you compare this to, to a hypothetical scenario where you change school start times to 8.30am and you look at how this would affect the economy. And the main drivers that we look at in this study is reduced mortality from car crashes. So if teenagers are less likely going to die, they're more likely going to um, supply their productive capacity to the economy in the future. And the second or bigger effect is if they sleep more, they have better grades in school, they're more likely going to graduate from high school, they're more likely going to graduate from college, which subsequently has a a positive effect on their future financial earnings. Because it's a pretty significant impact. And, and, you know, you you attempt to put a dollar figure on it. Uh, So some $9 billion a year or so? Yeah, it's roughly about $9 billion a year in the United States. So how late is is later? What what are we talking about? School starting at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock? I mean, in our study, we looked at 8.30 a.m. because this is the time which, you know, major medical associations in the United States say it shouldn't be early than 8.30 a.m. And there has been recently in California um, a bill discussed in the Senate to actually make high schools and middle schools to start not, not early than 8.30 a.m. But obviously, um, some claim that, you know, school start time should even be later than 8.30 a.m. to get the full benefits of, um, you know, more sleep among teenagers. Now, the question is, what is the optimal time that hasn't yet been established um, in research, but it definitely says it should be later than eight, at least 8.30 a.m. or later. Has this been tried anywhere else? Um, there's a couple of uh, countries in Europe, um, for instance, in Finland, where they have actually, in some areas, uh, tried to um, establish school start time even later than 8.30 a.m., somewhere between 9.30. This is an example from Europe, but there's also some district, school districts in the United States where they actually shift the school start time uh, to 8.30 a.m. later, and with relative good, positive results, um, and total evidence tells that students are happier, they're more alert in the morning, they're less likely to gonna, uh, miss the first uh, early hour classes, and they also have better, better grades. So there's, there's definitely some evidence there that um, this is, has definitely seen a positive effect. Yeah, it's quite fascinating. Well, people can read more, as mentioned, at rand.org. Marco, thanks so much for making some time for us here. Appreciate this. Yeah, thank you much for having me. All right, take care. Marco Hafner is a senior economist with Rand Europe, uh, one of the co-authors of this report. Uh, so they say it's it's pretty clear. The study suggests that delaying school start times to at least 8.30 is a cost-effective population-level strategy which could have a significant impact on public health and the economy. The benefits of later start times far outweigh the immediate cost. Even after just two years, the study predicts an economic gain of $8.6 billion to the U.S. economy, which would already outweigh the cost per student from delaying school start times to 8.30. So I think they're conceding there would be some minimal cost but that the benefits far outweigh those costs. Very interesting. 403-974-8255 is a number. We'll come back some more thoughts on this. Got a few other stories to get to as well. Stay with us. And by the way, we talked about this yesterday. They found the funeral crasher in Vancouver. So we'll update that story for you. Uh, Talk in Ottawa today about marijuana legalization. Uh, The cops want the liberals to delay their legalization plan. They say they're not going to be ready by next year. As one person put it on Twitter today, how much preparation is necessary to not arrest people? It's pretty flimsy logic, I got to say. But we'll we'll touch uh, on that 
the other stories to get to as well. Let's go back to the phones. In the meantime, 403-974-8255 is a number. Steve, good afternoon. Early to bed, early to what rise makes a man wealthy, healthy, and wise. Benjamin Franklin. But that worked for him, but not everybody. Right. You know, in World War II, when you had a shortage of everything and the generation knew how to get things done, they sw- made double shift schools. And in many jurisdictions, uh, there still are. So I always wondered, what if you started high school at 1 in the afternoon and went till 6 o'clock? Forget the ATA. I don't want those guys anyway, because the ones screaming loudest are the ones hanging on for their pension anyway. You can get all the graduating students you want uh, from teachers' colleges to, to staff that. But I would put out an interest sheet out there, because we have a school shortage just like we did in the war, uh, and I would start maybe with the students and say, if you could start school at 1 and go till 6, uh, would you prefer that? I would have preferred that. Oh, is that? Oh, okay. So, well, I mean, you always work nights at QR anyway, so that makes I did. sense. Yes. But the thing is, is uh, I do believe that when you have a school shortage and we can look at best practices from past generations, and this is already a built-in re- remedy for the kids who can't get up. The only problem with that, again, is that one of the traits of successful people is wanting to get up early and take on the day. That doesn't right. apply to everyone, but that is one of the overwhelming traits. When you look at Branson and uh, Bill Gates and all those guys, that is one, that is the one trait they all have in common. They want to get up in the morning, and they want to take on the day. So yeah, I don't know I'm, if that would have an impairment. I'm not saying it does, but that's one of the drawbacks because in life, a lot of times, uh, the successful type jobs require you to get your butt out of bed. Right. No, you're, you're right about that, Steve. I appreciate the phone call. Actually, I agree with Steve on that one. I, I think it would make sense if you could have somehow overlapping classes, different shifts, basically, in schools. That would certainly address uh, a space crunch, but... I think you'd run into two issues, certainly with the teachers' union. Uh, yeah, it, it is true, too, that, yeah, we can accommodate you now in your high school years. You can go to school from, from noon to six or whatever it is. But, you know, when you get to university, when you get into the real world, uh, you're not necessarily going to have that flexibility. But, again, I, I think we are dealing with, to some extent, biology, that what, what teenagers go through is, is not a permanent change. Right? The sleep habits of teenagers are different than the sleep habits of 10 or 11-year-olds. Uh, and once you get into your 20s, you, you, you grow out of that. And I think that's what this study is pointing out. That in those years, when academic performance in those years becomes so crucial, we need to recognize this biological reality. Now, not all teens are the same, mind you. I mean, and some people are, are more naturally morning people than others. Right? All this summer... You know, we're trying to drag our, our 14-year-old daughter out of bed 11 or noon. Uh, whereas our, our 11-year-old son is up by, you know, 7 or 7.30 every day. That's just his, his natural rhythm. Now, maybe when he gets to be 13 or 14, that's going to change dramatically. Or maybe he's just more naturally uh, a morning person. Maybe it won't be as extreme with him. Uh, but I can certainly remember being a teenager, especially in my late teens. Uh, I was almost completely nocturnal. And so that starts to happen. And that's what this research is pointing to. Yet, So that's what you're dealing with. You know, we can wag our fingers and say, get to bed early. 
but you're, you're trying to overcome this biology, and it's probably being compounded, as, as uh, our guest points out, by technology. Maybe even caffeine. I'd be curious to know if teens consume more caffeine these days than they, they did a generation ago. Uh, you know, these things are all going to have an impact, too. But it's probably safe to say that teens aren't getting enough sleep. School started a bit later, they would get more sleep. I, I don't think you can argue with that. In terms of the impact, maybe people will disagree. But this study, and it's a pretty extensive study, they say the benefits would be, would be obvious, would be huge. I think it's an interesting idea. Anyway, your thoughts on that, 403-974-8255. Okay, a couple other things to get to, and I got a lot of response to this conversation yesterday. A uh, story in Vancouver about a funeral crasher. Some pictures started appearing on social media about a, a strange man who was showing up at, at funerals in the Vancouver area. Just seemed as though he was just there to kind of eat the food. Had no connection to the deceased, to the family, or anybody else. And other people saw those pictures and had their own stories to share about this guy showing up at funerals. Uh, so Jill Bennett at Global BC was, was following the story. And through her dogged work, she managed to track down the funeral crasher. Here's her story. Mr. Shaler, hi, can I talk to you for a second? Do you go to funerals where the people you don't know the people who are the deceased? I'm working on a book. This photo of Dean Shaler was shared on social media last week. He was caught crashing a funeral three years ago and again a few days ago. Since then, several people have come forward saying they also recognize him as the stranger at their loved one's funeral. When I heard you talking about it and went to look at uh, the picture on the Twitter feed, I couldn't believe it. He was um, he was at my dad's funeral in the spring of 2009. And the second time I saw him was at a neighbor's funeral last year. Shaler admits to searching the obituaries to find funeral service information and then eating and drinking at hundreds of funerals, many at golf courses. It's not true that I don't talk to people. I do. And do you tell them why you're there? No, I can't. Dean, why lie? I, I mean, I can't tell them about the book because that would distort it. But, but in the book, the protagonist ends up in a coffin, of course. But funerals are viewed by many as a personal time to grieve, and crashing that for any reason is not okay. I think it's kind of sleazy. I don't think it's unacceptable. You're playing on people's emotions. That sounds really disrespectful and really terrible. Shaler says he didn't realize he was offending anyone, but insists he had to go to the funerals to research his book. Since this started, it's put a different, a different perspective on it. So, so you needed it to be in the news, though, to realize well, that people might not like this? I'm not going to do it again. If, it, if, it, if, it's, if it's resulting in, like, trauma... He now says he's sorry he'll stop crashing the funerals of complete strangers, although it's unclear if he still plans on writing the novel. Jill Bennett, Global News. That's a good excuse. And that's an excuse that can apply in a lot, a lot of circumstances. You're caught doing anything weird or creepy. Writing a book, doing research for my book. That's what Ted Cruz should have said. When people started saying, uh, Senator Cruz, why is it that your Twitter account liked a tweet containing a porn video? Instead of blaming a staffer, he should have said, I'm writing a book. Writing a book about the scourge of online pornography. Got to do research. But, you know, not everybody was, was necessarily hostile to the funeral crash. I got this email, for example, an email from Robin. 
says, Rob, quick comment on strangers at funerals. I agree totally. If the gatherings at a private residence or hall, be gentle, check them out, and es- escort the people up. If they're there for some disturbing, uh, disturbing reason or fetish or something, throw them out. My father owned and operated a couple of small businesses during her life, uh, his life. Uh, at the funeral, there were many people at the service and at the luncheon and beverages at the Legion. I was happy they were in attendance. Probably people whose life he had touched in some way, in life and business. I know my father would have loved to know that there was a good turnout. I wouldn't have been bothered if a couple of people that needed a free lunch or a beer showed up. And I think it's an interesting way to look at it. If it's no harm, no foul, what's the point of making a big scene? But yeah, I think people do still take exception to just, you know, it doesn't, doesn't seem right. All right, so an interesting development there. Let's go back to the phones. Brenna, good afternoon. Hi there. Hello. Um, so I think this whole starting school from one until six is a bit ridiculous. Why is that? Why is that? Because parents have to stop making excuses for their kids. In the real world, we get up at six. There's shift workers out there. It's, it wouldn't work. How are these kids going to survive in the real world if, if we get to pamper them and say, okay, well, you can sleep in all morning and start school at 1 p.m.? Well, this study talks about starting school no later, or rather, no earlier than 8.30. So, I mean, noon or I mean, 1 is kind of an extreme school. interpretation of that, but I don't think it's such but a bad idea. You don't, th- you don't think that we pamper our kids? and Because the, the expectations are still the same. They're expected to perform in school. They're not getting a free pass on anything. We're just dealing with the reality that kids aren't getting enough sleep, and part of that is biology, right? I mean, we can, not we can get moralistic sleep. about it all we want and wag our fingers at them, but we're dealing yeah, with, with a biological getting, reality of teenagers. They're not getting enough sleep because they're up all night on the Internet or on their phones or on Well, Netflix they're finding things to do, but I, 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 it's not new. It's not new to the Internet era. This, this, is, this is known biological research about teenagers and their brains and their, their sleeping habits. Um, well, I disagree. I mean, our world is a mess, and our kids are entitled. And no, I don't think this is what it's about. I don't think it's about that no, at all. But, if, if the end result, though, was that kids did better in school, would you still be against it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. My kids got up. Yeah, they were tired in the morning, but you got to get up and go to school. And it is how it is. You got to go through class. You got to do your homework and you got to study. Okay. But that, that, well, all right. Sure. And it still is. But if changing school, even by an hour, meant they performed better, what would be the argument even against Even by that? an hour? Yeah. Like starting school at nine? Yeah. Nine o'clock, say. Well, that was always the normal time for us, but... Okay, by nine, yeah, but I think, like, I mean, I did hear one to six, and it was kind of like... Well, I think the idea from that caller was that we could almost have two shifts in crowded schools. Half the kids would come on the early shift, half would come on the later shift, so I think that's why he was talking about noon or one. Oh, okay, so you know what? Maybe I, I missed the first part. I just heard that one to six, and I was like, no, that is ridiculous. I just think that for them to to survive in the real world, that's not going to work for them. You know what I mean? That's saying, yeah, for sure, I'm more productive when I have more sleep. Well, but but, but graduating high school and doing well in school, I think, is is what ultimately is going to prepare them for the real world, Brenda. But I appreciate the phone call. We're up against the 2.30 news here. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 12.30 on News Talk 770 Calgary.